What do you know about that, man? <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. You guys want to go ahead and just jump Heck into yeah. the podcast? Let's get on it. Yeah. I'm Chase Winnegar, host of the podcast. Lee McClellan, co-host. Hope everybody's enjoying this wonderful weather. It's been fantastic. And oh, October is my favorite month yeah, of the year. Yeah, I've said that a hundred times this week. Is October is my favorite month. Today's guest is uh, Commissioner Rich Storm. Rich, how you doing? I am blessed to be here. Good to be here uh, among esteemed colleagues today. Hey, uh, we, yeah. we're, we're glad you're here. Yeah. No, I, I, we appreciate you stopping by. And Rich, before we even get started, I'm going to tell a quick story on you, okay? Yeah, go for it. So, about three weeks ago, a few of us went down to Camp Wallace and spent uh, a day and a half there essentially doing meetings, and then we also renovated a cabin. And on the first day of that, you came down there and met us, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you first got there, we were all just kind of talking casually. You were making conversation. And I can't remember how we got on the topic, but somebody brought up a former UK basketball player that they, it was their favorite. But who was that? Do you remember who the basketball player was? You went to their camp. Yeah. Um, Rex Chapman. Rex Chapman. Yeah. See, I could, that was the one detail of the story I couldn't remember was who is the basketball, but it was Rex Chapman. And we got on that conversation or that topic, and you told a story about when you were a kid and you went to Rex Chapman's basketball camp and you won Camper of the Week because you hit 49 free throws out of 50. Yeah, so I missed the first one. Missed the first one. Yeah, I missed the first free throw, and and uh, I don't remember who was with Rex, but he said, you're going to win the free throw contest after I missed the first one. And I made 49 in a row. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and... And, and I can tell you this, uh, if, if you've ever played sports, you have, sometimes you have nerves and you, you just feel, you know, you feel awkward. And I can remember, I can still remember short arming that free throw, you know, the first all the kids are watching and, and then I just got in a rhythm, started making free throws. And, um, I was, uh, I was gifted to shoot the basketball, but I was a little bit short, uh, a little <laughs> bit slow. And so, uh, as, as I got older, uh, I had to make free throws to, you know, to score points and basketball games but i'll tell you a cool story about uh about that camp so they give out these awards across mm-hmm. the board to these kids and different age how old were you i was 10 10 okay. yeah and so um they passed me over on the 10 year olds and so i thought well i you know so much for that mm-hmm. but then then they had the camper of the week and so the reason i tell you that story um I got a photo with Rex, and it's autographed. I still still have that at home. <laughs> but I got a pair of Converse tennis shoes. Oh, boy. Because he was, I don't know if you remember, mm-hmm. but but there was a little period there where Converse made a I was born in 89. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Oh, uh, that's so what, when I was playing ball, that's, everybody had Converse. Yeah, yeah. So not, I was, not the Chuck Taylors, the the, the new Converse. Yeah, and, and anyway, so he signs this pair of Converse shoes, and and – you know, Rich Rex Chapman or something That's like cool. that on the shoes. So I left those shoes in the closet, and they, uh, through years and years, they've sort of tarnished, and they they were white, but they've they've turned a shade of ugly yellow. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> but I had the opportunity to talk to Rex Chapman probably ten years ago, and and I told him that story, and yeah. uh, you know he he thought it was really funny, but uh, but Rex back then was, you know, he was in Kentucky, he was Jordan esque, or oh, he yeah. was. He was uh, up there with Jamal Mashburn or uh, Oscar Sheboy, any of the greats. That's back before, you know, things got as national. Kentucky sports were probably even bigger than they are now within Kentucky because that's, you know, you focus more on what was local. So I can easily see how Rex Chapman could be almost like an MJ, you know. Yeah, so he back then, too, we had had kids that stayed for years, and Mm -hmm. and Rex was one of the the people that left early. And, Mm -hmm. uh, 
he was just a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Could jump out of the gym, and he had a and he had a great NBA career mm-hmm. too. Hit, hit a lot of a lot of big clutch shots in the NBA. But uh, it's a good story. The point, the, the so you had told that story when we went to Camp Wallace, right? And Jasmine Johnson, who is a supervisor with camps, was there, and Jasmine played college basketball. And so she's just a, a kind of a hooper, you know. And so when Rich starts talking about basketball, I can, at Jasmine's eyes start getting bigger. And before you know it, we've got ourselves a competitive game of pig lined up for the next lunch break. We have the half an hour lunch break coming up in a bit. And we're going to go out there and Rich and Jasmine are going to play pig. So whenever the break came, we all went outside and they, Jasmine brought a ball out and Rich was taking some practice shots. And Rich, no offense, but you weren't hitting that many practice shots. Yeah, that's uh, it was awkward to <laughs> yeah. say the least. I was typed in two-hour car ride. Yeah. And, and not to mention, I'm a little bit older well, than uh, Jasmine. Too. I'll tell you what, I usually uh, I usually use the outdoor courts, the double rims as excuses, mm-hmm. hard backboards, and yeah. no, not forget. So that's what I would have said because we were playing outdoor courts. Those rims are hard though, a lot of times. So they shot around for 10 or 15 minutes, and then it was time to get the game started, right? And Jasmine had been hitting her shots, so I think she kind of she tossed Rich the ball and she said, "You shoot first. And Rich, I'm not lying to you, went seven of eight. And from the field, she got the ball first one time, and he just no. I mean, it looked like a, a pull shark going through, and like just hitting every shot all of a sudden. And so after it was over, Dave Baker had had said before it started, he said, "I got two dollars on Jasmine." Do you remember that? <laughs> and then so as soon as Rich won, Pig to nothing, he walked over to Dave and he said, "You owe me two bucks." No, I was I was cracking up. So I love it. I found myself sitting there thinking, "Man, Rich is a shark." But then I thought back, and I was like, this whole thing started with him telling a story about hitting 49 straight free throws. Mm-hmm. So he was as upfront and honest with it as mm-hmm. he could have been. So, uh, But I thought that was pretty uh, – it was fun. I enjoyed the basketball. And Jasmine, we got back out there on the court that night after we were done with meetings and everything, and she beat me. So she got her uh, her uh, revenge on Rich through me. It, <laughs> well, let, well, let me tell you a basketball story since we started out there. It's, oh, yeah. We'll get this, to fish and wildlife eventually. Yeah, this is a cool basketball story. Um so my grandfather was a coach, high school coach, and he was a principal. Um, and, and you all know uh, a long time ago how community oriented we were, and mm-hmm. you know some of that some of that's changed. But but I'll take you straight to the story. So there was a young man that lived in the community of Lily, so that's in Laurel County. Mm-hmm. And uh, my grandfather um, just saw some promise in this in this kid, and he uh, he was uh, like five. Five eight or something, five eight, five nine as a freshman. <clears throat> so my grandfather put him in a garden, mm-hmm. and he he put him to work. And uh, um, with without telling you a long story, Doug started to get stronger, and he and he uh, he started to grow. And so um, his sophomore year, he, he grew to six five. Okay. And so back back then, that would have been in the early sixties. That's big. That was um, tall. He was. I mean, he was a a, a major presence. Uh, mm-hmm. So my grandfather said, I've got to get him on my basketball team. And so um, the next year, going into his junior year, um, Doug grew six more inches. And he, so, he, footer. so he's 6'11". Yeah. And and so um, Lily, uh, their basketball team went to the state tournament. And I believe they, they actually lost to uh, an Oscar Robertson team. Mm. Um, but but anyway, Doug became a basketball player because of my grandfather. Mm-hmm. But what my grandfather did is he wrote a letter to John Wooden, and he wrote one day to offer up. And you know, sorry Kentucky fans, but mm. Adolph Rupp wasn't buying, but John Wooden was. Yeah. And so um, 
he he went out and won two two national championships at UCLA. UCLA. Doug That's did awesome. his name was Doug McIntosh, and uh, he uh, he again two national championships. The year they didn't win the national championship when he was out there, they had a they had a flu that hit the team, and mm-hmm. so they didn't get out of their conference. Uh, and and they had a great team, but when Doug was a senior, they had a freshman named Lou Alcindor. Oh yeah, I've and, heard of him. And and if you read about that 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 freshman squad beat the varsity squad mm. so that and then they went on to have that mm-hmm. ucla dynasty, dynasty but yeah. but coach wooden called doug mcintosh the most coachable player he ever had that's good probably starting mm-hmm. off in that garden yep. yeah that's probably how probably how he did it yeah so rich my very first question for you today was going to be who's rich storm i feel like we've dabbled in that a little bit we've kind of know the sports background some of the family i mean what other just real quickly what other things would you say describes rich as a person well i'll tell you i've certainly changed as i've gotten older but i think the number one thing i would say is uh, family Mm. Um, i have i have a great wife i have two beautiful daughters they're 12 and 11 and so my my life does revolve around their activities, and so uh, I met your daughters. Yeah, they're they're outstanding young ladies, and mm-hmm. I give the credit to their mother for for all their out, outstanding behavior. <laughs> um, they um, they have a lot of hobbies that I never thought I'd be interested in, such as music and mm-hmm. clogging. And y'all seen them? Mm-hmm. Y'all y'all seen them probably do both here here on campus, but I occasionally bring my kids to work with me, and and uh, I go to night meetings and do do the job as commissioner but uh i make sure that my family's involved with that and 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 my wife and so so that'd be first and then i'm i'm really active in my church Mm -hmm. that's that's a big part of my life too and and uh just being connected to the community and and you know we can we can talk about church they're from uh, carlisle from carlisle so that's the area that we're talking about your church is i'm sure probably in carlisle it is and uh um it's just become a uh, a refuge a good place for you know for us to spend time and so so we have a big church in the community we have about 300 members and mm. in a small town carlisle's 1800 people so oh, so one-sixth that's yeah. pretty good yeah pretty much come to our church and uh so so that's a big part of my life i'm an elder there and um uh, and i have a lot of good hunting and fishing stories mm. but they were prior to my tenure at fish and wildlife for the most part oh, you've got a couple good ones since i know that you like bobcat hunting is something that you and i've talked about several mm-hmm. times is uh i know you like to predator hunt and i've heard your deer hunting stories before so i know you like to get out and do both those things as well mm-hmm. so somewhere on that list is hunting and fishing now family and and religion can can be ahead of those but somewhere on that list is definitely hunting and fishing so it, it has it's been a big part of my life and obviously a driving force for for me to be here i think one of the things that i don't often share with people is i've been blessed to have places to go whether it's mm-hmm. family farmland it's neighbors it's it's uh relationships and just places to go from ducks to deer to to bobcat hunting mm-hmm. but something that i wish i had done and i'd encourage you know the listeners to this podcast write that stuff down um mm-hmm. the, and the visitors that i've had the first time deer hunters uh, you know i've got i've got a lot of cards but i wish i kept a journal mm-hmm. Because yeah. we, we've had, we've been so blessed to have places that we built facilities. I've, I've got I've got hunting blinds where kids will come down take a deer, and we, we've been doing that for years. And so as, as long as I've been able to, you know, physically get people out, it's it's been a big part of my life, my dad's life. Um, customers from the private sector, I've connected through hunting, and the outdoors have been such a blessing to me as a man. Um, it opens doors, but 
but ultimately you all you all can agree to this and you're a- experts in the field too but you you have some of your fondest memories of a field and it's not it's usually not when you harvest mm-hmm. but that fellowship and that Mm-hmm. That just that experience is just it's just second the, to none. The older you get, too, the more you take um, pride and, and pleasure from seeing someone else mm-hmm. be successful. That you kind of showed the way. And I, and I, <clears throat> I I think that's such a great point. But when you look at nature, like I I mean I've worked with folks here that are like, listen to that songbird, oh, or, yeah. or, or 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 look at this, but look at a monarch butterfly. And just watch it fly by and mm-hmm. like it the generations it takes to make that migration mm-hmm. um i got to go to a bat cave here um with with some staff just one of the coolest experiences i've had here and I'm, i mean our staff could tell you the the tree that some of those bats live in in pennsylvania mm-hmm. while they're in a kentucky cave and mm-hmm. that is just eye-opening it's just unbelievable stuff you know something you just said just gave me another another good question rich we're going to get to that one later mm-hmm. but something you said just got i thought man that's something i gotta ask mm-hmm. so who who is you, we know who rich storm is who is rich storm the commissioner what's your job here what's what's your role with the agency so um I, i'll i'll try to do a better job answering this question i, I get sidetracked sometimes um but my daily job as commissioner is the agency head of the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife. And so um, how that works is we we fall in the Tourism, Arts, and Heritage Cabinet. We're one of the agencies within that cabinet. And the leaders of those respective agencies are called commissioners. Mm-hmm. Um, not to be confused that we have a commission. Mm-hmm. We, have, we have nine what used to be congressional districts. We have nine people that volunteer to be on our commission. Those are the folks that hire me. Um, but but what does a commissioner do mm-hmm. to lead an agency? I, I can tell you there's no two two days that are the same. So on a occasion I'm working with uh, stakeholders, maybe it's a coon hunting group. The uh, Last night I was at a university teaching a natural resources class and mm. working with students. Today I'm on a Kentucky Field podcast mm-hmm. and you know we, we have an awesome TV show. The, the networking, the people interaction, and the opportunity to talk about hunting and fishing are just a joy. And, mm-hmm. and not, it's, it's like you, you shouldn't even, uh, h- how can they pay me to do something that I absolutely love? Mm-hmm. But we do tackle many issues. Some of them are uh, biological, some of them are social, and some of them are political. But those issues, I do those with enthusiasm because of the listener to this podcast, they want to go hunt and fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we need to be conduit so that we don't get in the way mm-hmm. and they can do what they love. And so so the what we do daily, some of these are grass fires, some of these are um, just joyous family experiences and opportunities. But you guys know personally, we're, we're in an agency that the people in the agency love. Mm-hmm. We're, yeah, all, we're all different, but we, but we all have a passion for the outdoors and so it just makes us family here and it's mm-hmm. the coolest place that you could ever work i agree what do you think oh and i, I couldn't agree more with every i mean literally from the the outdoors has done things for you the relaxing part of it i mean i've almost agreed with everything you said there going down the list but i do definitely agree with the camaraderie around this agency i feel like our staff for the most part let's say 80 percent 
have a common interest, right? Mm-hmm. Like we 20% probably don't care about hunting or fishing at all, but us 80% of us have something in common we can talk about every day. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that kind of brings a workplace together. Whereas I could see other agencies, people being a bit more dispersed in their interest mm-hmm. or, you know, what they're passionate about. And maybe there aren't as many common threads that, that connect the people. But that's one thing I enjoy about working here is between here and the front office, if I walk up there, I'll have two or three quick conversations with people about, mm-hmm. hey, uh, how's, the, how's this and that going? Or, hey, I'm going to go do this this weekend. Mm-hmm. What about you? So I kind of enjoy that. Me too. How long have you been the commissioner now? So I'm almost uh, starting my fifth year here, here in a few months. So um, that that time has absolutely flown by. Uh, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine. And uh, I I feel like I just started. And mm-hmm. I, I'd say on, on one hand, you guys probably feel the same way. But I'll tell you a story about a former employee mm-hmm somebody that, that left and they just recently caught me out here in the parking lot. So as you all know, when somebody leaves, they still come here and hang out. Mm-hmm. There's they, a few that because, are here a yeah, lot. Yeah. Because they, they love, they love this place. And again, it's the family, the brotherhood of it. But, uh, but they said, um, this agency, Kentucky Fish and Wildlife was the best experience of their life. And, and, and they took another job mm-hmm. and, uh, Pro- probably uh, it was strategic for their family to to work from home, but mm-hmm. but ultimately when you hear that and it just it just uh, reinforces what you already know. But we have we have so many people here that have so much to offer. So w- when I'm around you guys, I can't wait to hear what you have to say because it's it's unique. Mm-hmm. It's it is one of a kind. But our subject matter experts are just—they're uh, just—they're just absolutely incredible, and and uh, you know whether it's uh, talking to Dave Dreves about bass fishing or mm-hmm. or uh, talk, talking to Monty in the Mollusk Center, mm-hmm. that just just a different level of Monty's amazing. I mean, oh. he's, I mean, he's world class. I mean, we're you know we have people here who are experts not only in the country, but I mean, Monty is known throughout the world for his. Uh, muscle knowledge and his ability to rear muscles that are very rare through he's pioneered some of the cutting edge techniques yeah. you know a lot of our biologists are a lot of, uh, very 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 good uh, and accomplished but we have a handful like i would say john mcgregor i don't want to exclude anybody and leave somebody because but john mcgregor is probably known to be the best herpetologist in the southeast u.s mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. monty mcgregor is probably the leading you know in the world yeah. so i mean it's pretty you get some pretty esteemed colleagues and to be able to pick their brains and talk to them is 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 definitely fun so so let me add this and and part of my job mm-hmm. i have to let the best of the best do their job mm-hmm. so i need to i need to just reinforce and do my job to allow them to do their job and be that best version mm-hmm. of themselves and so when i came here i'm, I'm thinking you know i'm not a biologist mm-hmm. i'm not a game warden but I can help bring all these groups together, mm-hmm. and I do feel like that uh, you know, the the silos that that uh, some people use that terminology. Mm-hmm. I I really feel like this is just one big family mm-hmm. that pulls in the same direction for the most part. Yeah. I oh. mean, I, this will be my twenty fourth year next year in May. I've been here twenty four years. It seems like five. It really yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, it's hard for me just to think that it's been seven. Yeah. But so, how do you think that first four years have gone? What what you're looking back on those four years? I mean, what's it what's it feel like? Well, it, you know, it, with almost like childlike enthusiasm is what, what I think uh, first. And, and I think we have, we've accomplished a great deal. Some things in state government are, 
they move at a snail's pace. Mm-hmm. So, so I'd like to see some of the things fast forward and, mm-hmm. and, and move on. But, but I think we've really done well. But I, I, I'm going to tell you why. I think it's providential. I think people appear and they rise up, and so they're the next in line. It's absolutely amazing. We lose somebody that's talented to retirement usually. A lot of our people retire at a young age. Mm-hmm. But we lose them, and the next in line is just so talented. And I, and I could name names, but you already know this. You just see, well, who's going to come up next and who's going to do this job? And somebody that's completely different fills that role, and they do it with enthusiasm, childlike enthusiasm. They're so excited about the mission of the agency, and we get the job done. And so, so I would say the biggest accomplishment since I've been here is to see these new next leaders just grow Mm -hmm. into something that i'm really excited about the future of this agency i could see you know you definitely have a different perspective than um you get to see more of that internal than our constituents for the most part people who are out hunting and fishing in the across the state uh, unfortunately they probably don't know what's going on up here with the agency or the positions are rotating in or out or even think about that challenge what do you think you know in the last four years things that the sportsmen and women do see or, or feel, and they might it might not be front of mind. They might not even realize this change has taken place. But what what have we done over those past four years that that you're personally proud of for the sportsmen and women? Well, first, I, I will say kind of a side to that question: when we replace somebody in a leadership position, it should be back of mind to our constituency, to mm-hmm. our hunters and anglers, mm-hmm. so we don't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's true. And and so as we as we do that, then we're allowing that eighty five percent approval rating that we usually maintain those folks to just hunt and to fish. Oh, mm-hmm. and and for, what was the first part of your question again? I apologize. Oh, oh no, well you're exactly right. You're that we don't want the people in the public to worry about you know staff turnover or things you know yeah. positions changing here because they should never even see or feel it. You know, but the question was really like uh, as far as what the public does notice. I mean, things have changed over the past four years. We've implemented new systems or mm-hmm. um, we launched an app. So some of those things that I know that you had a lot of influence in pushing those through what what do you think you're most proud of uh, that we've accomplished that the public does see or feel when i came here i think i constantly heard and especially from leadership that we had several barriers that that they would like to see uh, removed and so just like uh, becoming uh, our own procurement branch Mm -hmm. um, being in charge of our own hr Mm -hmm. um, we get to make mission-based decisions that are best for the agency and frankly um, we look like other fish and wildlife agencies now mm-hmm. where we can, we can, mm-hmm. we can take care of the mission. We can say that we don't, we actually don't have a lot of discretionary spending. And so, um, to the public, when they hear that, it's probably surprising, but we predominantly, we spend our, our money on, on our people and that, that talent and benefits, um, uh, actually about 80 cents on every dollar mm. that we invest in our people which that's one of the best things we have to offer. But the independence that we probably had in the 80s, mm-hmm. we, um, we, we lost a little bit of grasp. But um, making those decisions based on biology, um, based on stakeholders and, and harvest and telecheck and a multitude of things, mm-hmm. we, can, we can fulfill the mission of the, this agency based on priority. Mm-hmm. That 
that's something that, you know, I don't go home and celebrate, mm-hmm. but that's something that, you know, when I look back at what we've been able to accomplish, that's, that's significant. Mm. And it was a but, big challenge for the department too, to take on that response, those responsibilities you mentioned, HR and procurement. Um, I know that that was, uh, I mean, that, that wasn't an easy job, you know, for the agency to take on. I know some of the people personally who, you know, were somewhat in charge of taking on those roles and learning those new skills. And so that was kind of a big endeavor. It, it was, and, and I can tell you it wasn't easy, but uh, somebody a whole lot smarter than me said it was like pushing chain um, before, and mm-hmm. now we're in a position where we can pull together. And and, and that's a good feeling, and that's uh, it's, I'm not saying that as a political statement. I'm saying that as mm-hmm. I love this place, and I, I love this place so much that the that tug and that push and that pull mm-hmm. – it was worth it. I like that mm-hmm. push and chain. Yeah, mm-hmm. that yeah. is a good thing. I never, I know, I had never heard that before. I push heard and push chain. and rope before, but not yeah. chain. That's no, that makes perfect sense yeah. though, no, if you does. think about it. Is there anything that you wish we could have pulled off that we didn't? That was just, and I, so essentially, you know, that is one huge accomplishment that you just mentioned. Is there something that when you're maybe driving home in the evening, this is what happens to me. I'll be on mm-hmm. my drive home and I'll just be staring out the windshield and something will pop in my mind and I'll think about it for 15 or 20 minutes. So is there ever one of those things that pops up and you're like, man, I wish we could have. Yeah, um, so I, I didn't do a good job in telling you who I am, but but I'm not a self-promoting kind of person, and you yeah, guys I, know that. I know that. <laughs> but but um, business is a big part of what I feel like my job is, mm-hmm. and so something I'd, I would have liked to accomplish at this point is value-added product. So, you know, the question's always, how, how are we going to fund this agency for the next generation? Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you I've, I've struck out on, on this mm-hmm. endeavor, but what I'd like to be able to do is bless this agency where we can have value-added products so that customers that want to spend more or they want they want to participate in something different that we haven't historically offered, is that going to be enough to, to fund and pave the way for the future? But I don't always think that the, the answer is, Let's just let's just raise fees. But mm-hmm. who could have guessed in 2019 and into 2020 what a pandemic would have done to a fish and wildlife agency? Um, that that is a lot of pressure. But just think just think if things went the other way mm-hmm. during the pandemic, so people didn't participate, um, and the, and then this inflation thing is real. Mm-hmm. It's it's hit us it's hit us pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do we react? It's hit everybody pretty hard. I mean, families, businesses. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was laughing talking to one of our staff earlier, and I was like, "Who would have thought a number one at McDonald's would be like ten dollars?" Yeah, which uh, <laughs> I know. You know, I probably go to McDonald's uh, too frequently to to make that comment. <laughs> but we react to changes in circumstances, and so we have a two year budget. That's something that the listener at home probably doesn't understand. So you forecast expenditures but you also forecast expected revenues Mm -hmm. that's that's some heavy pressure with an agency Mm -hmm. that doesn't receive appropriations um but we've been blessed because our customers just so loyal and consistent Mm -hmm. and so um if if i could give one uh, if i could make something happen the gift that uh, a huge accomplishment is a additional way for us to make it in the future and so um why do i mention that other states some other states just have a multitude of funding mechanisms Mm -hmm. 
So we're happy that our license fees are cheap, mm-hmm. we're, are affordable. Mm-hmm. Um, we're happy that landowners can hunt on their private property uh, free of charge. But many states have, they, they receive tax dollars, they receive sales tax dollars, mm-hmm. oil and gas royalties, um, mm-hmm. fines, penalties, uh, a multitude of ways. So, so we're one of the smaller fish and wildlife agencies in America. As far as budget goes. In terms of budget. Um, but we also are one of the best. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that because we're here, but, mm-hmm. but when you think about Kentucky and we go out, you hear all these talking points that we're, that we're in last place in this category. We're, we're in th- third from last in this category. And when we talk about our fish and wildlife resources, mm-hmm. It's easy to argue we could be in first place mm-hmm. in many categories. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be easy for someone, <clears throat> or not easy, but I could see how someone could think, oh, well, you know, they're saying they're the best. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. So I went to uh, um, ACI out in Tahoe. It's a national conference with the conservation. I went to in 2017 in Tahoe, well, same one. Well, you kind of network and socialize while you're there, and you talk to people from other state fish and wildlife agencies, and you find out pretty quick that <clears> – <throat> We're pretty blessed in Kentucky yeah. to have a lot of the programs and a lot of the the species and the opportunities that we do. Because when you talk to a lot of the other agencies, it's like you hear them say a lot, well, I wish we had that. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I 100% agree with you. And on the budget side of that, too, when I was at ACI, you know, some of the other conservation organizations gave presentations about projects they were working on. And the budget was a part of those presentations. And we certainly do more with less. Like, I, I will agree with you there. Just based on networking and talking to people from other organizations, it feels like we do more with less. Have you ever looked at uh, how much it costs to produce Kentucky a field? Mm-mm. Oh, yeah, Are I do. You? I have the budget, yeah. <laughs> I do. Well, that's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Yeah. Nobody runs a TV show for what we run Kentucky a field. Yeah. Not, yeah. And, I, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to self-promote that or... Mm-hmm. or but that's incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's a shoestring budget for quality programming mm-hmm. that promotes Kentucky and doesn't promote things that we don't believe in. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's that that's absolutely incredible. But but our agency is unique. And, I, and I'll, I'll tell you, I've gone to other states and I've been blessed to go to other states. And I had a deer tag. Um, I won't say the state because I don't want to poke. But I didn't want to take a deer in this quality state because I've got Better deer in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was like, I paid a lot of money for this tag, but uh, um, but but we are really blessed, and that's uh, that's something that proud to be a part of it. But a big thanks goes out to the, the our our predecessors, mm-hmm. the boldness and the courage they had mm-hmm. to make things happen, and and uh, I just I'm just proud to be part of it. I think that's why we do more with less, as you know, people can see in their lives. You know, I'm not as young as I used to be, but I remember when if you saw a turkey, that was like wow. Yeah. You know, I, I now will. you you see them in town. You know, my granddad, we would drive. People go to uh, Bernheim and drive around hoping to see a deer, and there was places you would drive all day hoping to see one deer no i've heard when i was young old timers told me stories about if they were walking through the woods and they just saw a deer track one deer track they were excited that's where the stand was going right there because that's the best sign they'd seen we've been you know we're one of the few places that you work and i've worked out in the private sector before i came here and there's very few places (laughs) where your whole mission is making it better for those who come behind you 
I will. So we pay it forward. One, I don't, I'm not trying to just toot mine and Lee's horn here with the the magazine and the TV show and the podcast, but I think our education, um, what Kentucky does with education helps a lot with that because the education kind of lays the groundwork. So through the magazine or the TV show, we're allowing the public to have this base knowledge you know we're kind of doing that pre-education work so that when we have an ask or when we have a a disease pop up or we we have something that they're already they already kind of have that base layer and it's easier to get the public to to buy in you know so i feel like the the education and talking to other people from other organizations is something that we are a step ahead on and i think that helps us with the public personally but that's um, like i said not trying to toot our own horn but you brought up the tv show and everything well stuff here think about this so eight percent of kentuckians hunt 12 percent fish Mm -hmm. some of those are the same people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but think about the support system that your families have Mm mm-hmm so my wife, my kids, and they, they have participated in the outdoors, but I'm certainly a driving force for that. But it's so important that we we get our families involved. Mm-hmm. And then it's our job here at the agency to to go places and to educate people. So sometimes I go to small events. Mm-hmm. I have a small group of people there. And sometimes I'll go to large events. But if I'm there with, no offense, but if I'm there with another agency or I'm there with another group our core content is more exciting to the general (laughs) public and and um you know it's 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 so funny to watch um i was in a committee meeting one time and i wasn't on the agenda Mm -hmm. and they called me to the table to ask me questions about about the outdoors Mm. and so there were people that were on the agenda that were next in line and wait and the committee the committee wanted to know about bear season they wanted to, they wanted to know about elk and 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 um i was at a uh, i was at a conference in louisville probably a room of 2500 people and i was there with the tourism arts and heritage cabinet all the leaders and 10 questions were asked and nine of them were about fish and wildlife. That's awesome. And I la- I laughed, and then yeah. and I laughed a little bit more, and I was like, you know, you can ask these these folks some questions too. And, and yeah, it's more interesting. But than we do. But but it is, and and so uh, it doesn't matter if you're from rural Kentucky or you're from urban Kentucky. I mean, people get excited when they they start to talk about. Do, do we have bears or mm-hmm. oh, yeah. where can you see a bobcat? Well, somebody um, sees a bald eagle, you know. I mean, I'm gonna go find it. a bear this weekend, by the way. Well, I hope so, you do. I hope I do too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. T- let me tell you a bear story. I'm gonna try real hard, but tell yeah. me. Let's hear it. If you can tell me where a bear is, I'd really appreciate that. <laughs> well, I, I, everywhere in southeast Kentucky, yeah, are, are dumpsters and Mexican restaurants, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, are, I won't be near those, a, but yeah, I think uh, that's that's what I hear in my office anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, but a few years ago, uh, my oldest daughter she wanted to go on a bear hunt. And and that that was when we had the quota system. So she'd have been like nine or eight. She was probably something? nine. Yeah. Um, and so um, we went and stayed in a uh, in a hotel that was wasn't nice. wasn't in Kentucky. And so um, I went hunting in another state because, lo and behold, if I if I shot a female and ended the season, that probably yeah. would have been a little controversial. Optics. Yeah, people so. might not know how that works. I'm care if I give them a real quick rundown. Sure. So until last year, until recently, there was a quota system for the bear hunt. So essentially, you were able to bear hunt each day. You had to call in the evening and check and see if the quota was met that day. And typically, the quota was based on the number of female bears harvested. So I think it was five females 
And so once you hit five females, the season closed. So there was this time every night where after you went bear hunting, you'd wait till nine o'clock and you'd call the line and you'd get John's number or John Hast voice. And then you'd know if you were going to be allowed to bear hunt the next day. Mm-hmm. So Rich didn't want to be the guy that closed down season for mm-hmm. Kentucky. Yeah, I, I, I sure didn't want to be the gift that kept giving in that <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah. So so anyway, I, I, I went over to a neighboring state and uh, and my daughter went with me and and. Uh, that night I didn't sleep well, and I woke up with a pounding headache the next morning. and And I truly, had I not been with my daughter, I would have said, "I'm, I'm going to sit this out today." Yeah. That's how bad I felt. But we went, and um, I, 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 I did my best to hold my head up. And I'm, you know, I'm just uh, can't wait till this is over. Attitude, mm-hmm. and, and I looked at I looked at Phoebe, and I said, "Honey, I'm going to close my eyes for." just a second i said you let me know if you see anything mm-hmm. and that, so this is the reenactment version okay. I, I close my eyes daddy there's a bear and i, I mean for three seconds yeah. <laughs> three <laughs> seconds. yeah so there's a bear and and this kid uh has a wherewithal she she has her ipad she videos it i didn't know she was gonna gonna video it and i, and I shoot the bear and uh she and 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 her quote was daddy you smoked that bear <laughs> uh, but uh again going back to my earlier comments about family um so my headache did go away fairly quickly after i shot that bear and uh it was just a good experience and in a you know, a good story, and I had a Kentucky field hat on, so that oh, even yeah. that, yeah. that even added. That's probably a what bit. got you the bear, no doubt. Yeah, good karma. <laughs> yeah. Good karma. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. No, that's funny. No, the, so three seconds, I can see you just closing your eyes, and her saying that you probably thinking, "Oh, come on." Yeah, because that's how she is. She's like her mother. So yeah. uh, I thought she was thought she was poking at this bear instead of that's that really was actually, bear. Yeah. Well, yeah. I hope I have the same luck you did. I'm going to try closing my eyes while I'm out there for yeah. a minute. Yeah, like I'll, I'm going to be coming at. I'm just going to close them for a few seconds and open them real alert and sharp you know but i I plan on just going down in southeast kentucky like you said public land and you know i've been doing this for 10 years now and uh i just beat feet cover as much ground as i can sometimes i see bears sometimes i don't you know it's fun though it's kind of like you said earlier it's not all about the harvest i look forward to the bear hunt more each year than almost any other thing i do outdoors and i have never actually i'm always prepared to harvest a bear I never actually think I'm going to, you know, but I go up there with my game bags, my knives, my backpack. That I think I can, you'll be fine this year. I yeah. Do I, I do know. too. Well, Rich, if you could just do something to make that happen, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know there's not, not a lot to complain about with Kentucky's bear population. Quickest, John Hass told me, Dr. John Hass told me, quickest growing bear population ever recorded mm-hmm. possibly in the world. I mean... If I can't find a bear eventually, then something's wrong, right? So. Yeah, we got, we got uh, confidence in you. You're, you're going to... You're going to run into one soon. Thanks, yeah. thanks, Rich. I appreciate <laughs> that. So what do you, uh, Lee, do you have anything? I feel well, like I just You keep... know, uh, one story we were talking about, you know, you went to another state. He's like, oh, we got better deer at home. Tim yeah. Farmer called me one time. He was on his way home. He's like, Lee, I was in Montana, and all these people were catching, you know, uh, 13 inch 14 inch and you know nice nice trout and he's like gosh i drove all this way i could go to the cumberland river and smoke all these fish yeah. <laughs> and he he could they were all like well you have to throw this fly and farmer's like no i'm going to throw this he caught a 20 inch brown all those other guys are catching a little 14 15 which is fine but you know he was like hmm well let me Maybe. say something else great about kentucky that uh i think we 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 don't say this a lot 
but we got we got all kinds of available space. Mm-hmm. So so when you think about our neighbors in Tennessee, they have about double the population. Mm-hmm. Pretty similar state Eight in terms of people or so. Mm-hmm. But but they got a lot more people. And mm-hmm. and if you look you look at Missouri, you look at Ohio, you look at um, what's going on in those states, it's it's cheaper to live here. Mm-hmm. Our resources are outstanding. We have lots of public land. We have lots of private property opportunities. Ninety five percent of the state. But it's not as crowded. And so you might think there's some barriers, but nothing like our, our surrounding states. Yeah. No, I, I love Kentucky. I've always said that. And I feel like most people who listen to the podcast probably love Kentucky, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're invested in it. I hear least. a lot of a lot of positive feedback from, you know, I speak a lot, and I go out and talk to these groups. You know, I'll be saying, talking to Ralph's group, but, you know, and people come up. Well, you know, the only thing bad about the podcast is y'all need to put out one a week. I was like, well, <laughs> we put out two a month usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, well, uh, well we want you hungry. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we don't want to spoil you too much. We want you hungry for it. So. Now, I could sit here and we could go for hours just talking about all this stuff. Like, I have three stories I want to tell right now, but I know we're tight on time. So, But what do you think you're most looking forward to, like, in the future? I mean, if you had to say this is something I really hope we can get done um, between now and, and whenever it'll be, what what do you think is, you know, just front of your mind, what's something you want to get done here? I say this a lot. Um, may, may even sound just a little bit cheesy, but it's, uh, it's passing the torch. Mm-hmm. Um, I look forward to seeing how these people perform, you know, that's the next in line. Mm-hmm. Um a lot of folks aren't that way. They want to defend their turf or what what have you. But I, I look forward to the byproduct of what we're producing today, the seed we're sowing today, and then the fruit that, you know, that it delivers for tomorrow. And so I, I say that a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll go to our directors and I'll say, um, you know, how's this program going? And and sometimes they'll say, you know, we, we, we don't have the right person. We don't, we don't, we don't have that up and comer. I'll say, well, you got to think differently. You got to make that happen. So, so maybe it's maybe we're looking for a grant writer. Mm-hmm. Got to get somebody trained up to be a grant writer, because you know our time's short. The, the older I get, the more involved I am in the church. Mm-hmm. I see people. I mean, I see people just come and go, and mm-hmm. this, that's that's part of life. Mm-hmm. And and so I think for all of us, we need to be looking at who's going to sit in my chair. Yeah. Regardless of what you do. But who's going to have the enthusiasm? Who, who's going to have the attitude? And, and let me tell you, we just have a good plan in place. And I, I still say it's providential. These people come up and they provide great leadership. And and uh, so that that may sound just a little bit cheesy, mm-hmm. but I, I think that's – that's that's at least one of the things that, that I look forward to seeing. Just setting it up, yeah, setting it up and, and letting it grow in the future. Mm-hmm. So so something else I think that's important. So so we of of our age we know what it's like to have had a lot less, and then be in a time of prosperity, whether it's deer population or it's mm-hmm. turkey or it's going out and catching trout. Mm-hmm. We're in a good phase. Mm-hmm. We are. So so how do we sustain that? And so. One of the things I've said, it's like a commitment to excellence. We, we've we've reached a threshold that it's really hard to beat. Doesn't mean you don't try, mm-hmm. but but how do we take that to the next step? So so we haven't brought up the three letter word elk. Mm. We have something to to be proud of. But if we tried that today, we could we couldn't we yeah. couldn't pull it off mm-hmm. today, and and I we could have the very a podcast. First elk hunt. I covered the very first one. 
But we could have a podcast about um, what what just elk uh, about about the accomplishment and what Kentucky's done. But we're in first place, and I can tell you, I get uh, I get constant emails from our neighbors that want our elk. Oh yeah, and 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 they don't know borders, yeah. and so I say, well, you know, as they populate and and let's have an Appalachian elk herd. So mm-hmm. someday you'll be hunting them in Georgia and Tennessee and maybe mm-hmm. parts of South Carolina. And that's, imagine that, mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. That, and we're going to have an Appalachian herd. Yeah, Elk is, uh, it's amazing. It's uh, one of those things that I've never gotten a tag. I've never hunted elk for myself, but I've had the privilege to go on five elk hunts now and that first time you hear one bugle out there in eastern kentucky it'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up it it's an experience and uh it's something i've i really just want to get my fiance Kristen out there i want her to experience it i'm trying to kind of check the boxes for her you know show her the outdoors and the things i enjoy and i've been able to take her on a deer hunt and harvest a deer with her and i've been able to take her squirrel hunting and she i was able to show her a bear this past spring and that's the one thing i want her to hear an elk bugle up there in the hills you know and i think that the elk it's one of the the coolest experiences that you can go on is to go out there and see those elk in eastern kentucky magnificent it is and we're airing i I don't know if you were able to watch it but our elk hunt from this year is uh airing part one aired this past weekend Mm -hmm. and part two is coming up this weekend so if uh somebody is just wants to see what an elk hunt eastern kentucky on the youtube channel yeah well website or the TV show. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a Kentucky Field YouTube show. Yeah, it, um, the elk hunt's not available on YouTube yet because we're going to let it air out on TV. So the final part comes this weekend. So it'll be on YouTube next week. But it, you know, it was a really good hunt. And it just, just watching it makes me want to go. And you're, you're 100% right, though. The elk is a tremendous resource. And I, w- I just wish more of the state saw them because they're so far away from the population you know bowling green northern kentucky lexington and louisville is where what 90 percent of the Mm -hmm. state lives probably Mm -hmm. and there aren't elk in those four spots so you know it's just kind of like a secret out there well so it's important for us to explain to the public and and maybe most of the listeners know but we have 16 counties that we can establish elk in Mm -hmm. and then once you get outside of that that radius then uh it's open season um and and you can hunt those animals if if you get permits etc mm-hmm. the, the out of zone elk but why 16 counties and i think that it, it would be great for the outdoors person to uh be able to experience them in other areas but there's so much more to it than mm-hmm. than uh, what a lot of the folks know mm-hmm. and so let, let's <clears throat> let's just first say agriculture um elk are they're a herd animal mm-hmm. and you put them in an ag belt, they'd go in and wipe out a soybean field or mm-hmm. or what have you. So so we, we have the regulatory authority, the statutory authority to have elk in 16 of our southeast counties. That's where we're legally allowed to have them. That's, that's where we can have them. And so it's it doesn't mean that they're illegal if they, they drift, mm-hmm. but we, we can't work on the, the populations and growing the populations out of the 16 counties. But I find it interesting because I've spent a lot of time in the elk zone and I've been on many elk hunts like like you guys. Um, but we've got Tennessee, we've got uh, Virginia and West Virginia, close neighbors. Mm-hmm. And so those animals certainly travel those state lines oh, yeah. and, and they populate. And, and um, we were just innovative and we pulled that off in a time. I mean, we pulled it off in the perfect window mm-hmm. of opportunity. We had the funding, the enthusiasm, mm-hmm. the legislature. We had the staff. 
It's hard to find a Charlie Logston. I know. <laughs> yeah, to send him out Charlie, there to Kansas God, for Charlie's a couple great. of years. You yeah. know? That's a big ask. Uh, I went early, early with uh, the late uh, Carolyn Hughes Lynch. He was associated with the magazine and Joe Lacefield. And we went up um, kind of near, really, we weren't that far from Lewis Fork Road and all that, really, as the crow flies, we weren't that far from Robinson Forest. And I was going to take pictures. I, I had to get up at like 1.45 in the morning to get to get up there by 5. And I hear, you know, I, I could smell and I could hear crunch, 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 and really close, a big six-by-six six bugled. And, I mean, I tried to – I took a picture and I was shaking and my adrenaline was pumping and my flash came up and I spooked him. <laughs> and, and he took – I never will forget, he took his – big rack and he just tore fire out of an autumn olive tree showing off for the ladies you know and he had he had his harem in front of him but as soon as that flash went up all of them just they disappeared like the wind and it was over well i was sitting there shaking going wow i screwed that up right (laughs) (laughs) that's funny Uh, the first time i ever had one bugle me and chad were going out to scout and it was a week before season we were doing a diy hunt that year with an individual who got drawn through the regular drawing and we uh went out there parked the truck chad shut the door and we walked 50 yards and all of a sudden one bugled it was it we had to have parked the truck 75 yards from it but it was a foggy morning and you couldn't see it at all so all of a sudden this elk and i remember the hair standing up on the back of my neck and me and chad both dropped down low and i was sitting there trying to be sneaky but i was smiling because i was like man that was cool you know what i mean like i had that big grin that came over my face and i just couldn't hold it back that's how that's how that first experience was for me yeah it was, it was I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a brief elk story i took a youth hunter and uh his mom called and asked if i'd get involved and anyway we we had a hot bowl and and uh as soon as i made a call and i raked some bushes he, he came in and so this young man i hardly knew him um i just said you know, if, if he's coming, just let him come. And little did I know he was going to stop, going to come to like eight feet from that, that <laughs> young man. And uh, he, he shot that elk and I was 40 yards behind him. And I was, I, I was so amped up. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I mean, yeah, your, your, your adrenaline is flying. Yeah. And how can this kid be so calm? At least he looks calm. And uh, he, he did. He, sh- he shot that elk at like, uh, like at eight feet. That's crazy. And then and I'll just never forget that. But it happened so fast. And we, we, we got there. We walked a half a mile and made a call. And this bull comes in. He shot it. And it's <laughs> just an un- unbelievable feeling. And, and I'll never forget what that was like. Sounds like you couldn't have drawn that up any better. No, no doubt. <laughs> it's about as good as it could possibly be. I went with a. a, a a photographer for National Geographic. He did a piece, and I have it up in my, my office. I've got two copies of that issue. And it was a woman who was from Indiana, drawn, and she was married to a conservation officer. And uh, I said, I said, Mr. Lard, you know, he's used to being out west. I said, they'll have a fat one on the ground by 8 o'clock this morning. He kind of looked at me like, that Kentucky hillbilly doesn't know a damn thing about elk. <laughs> 758. Pow! Six by six was on the ground, and he got, and they ran that picture as a double truck of her sitting on there, and she was going with this expression like, "Oh my God!" And this humongous six by six that she took, and it, and they ran that picture on both both pages. So that was cool. One of these, and days. he came back down. He goes, "Lee, oh, I won't doubt you again." <laughs> one, one, but it's different now. They're they're a lot smarter now. He was That's a conservation officer out west. You said no, no, in Indiana. Oh, in and Indiana. his wife got drawn. Oh, and I got he you. came down with her, and. uh um, and in the dark, he didn't use a flash. He metered that perfectly. And I asked him, I was like, well, how many pictures do you shoot? And he said, well, today. He goes, oh, I didn't shoot very many. I just shot 600. 
Oh, the National Geographic guy. Yeah. Okay. And I said, I said, how many uh, pictures do you shoot for a typical feature? He said, oh, 12 to 15,000. And they'll use maybe two dozen. So it, it, it taught me a lesson that I need to shoot a lot more. Oh, yeah. I saw that guy, you know. Spray and pray. Yeah. That's a, that's the, when you're, when I'm shooting video or photo, that's just how I do. I can't tell you how many pictures I take. I just go through them later and pick the best one. But it was in fog and really low light and he nailed it. He just used a meter. He didn't use any flash and just metered it perfectly and nailed it. Handheld it and nailed it. One of these days I'm going to hunt out. One day. I don't know when it's going to be, but as long as God willing, I live long enough at some point in my life, I might be 70, but I'm going to make it a point. Rich, what do you, uh, what do you need from the public? If, like, if, if we were talking to the whole public right now and we were like, you know what, this would, you know, is something you guys could do or just take advantage of an opportunity or maybe an ask, what what would your one ask for the public be? Introduce somebody to the outdoors. <clears throat> That's a really good um, one. I, I say um, frequently that we we need to replace ourselves in the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But y- you need to do that genuinely. Um. You need to take them to your best fishing hole. Mm-hmm. You, you need to treat them to a good time. That's that's what that's what got me. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to get them. Um, it's a neighborly move. It's a uh, it's 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 a freedom move. It, it truly is. Um, when when you when you work on other people and you do that genuinely, you. You, you just open you just open up so many possibilities and so you may you may have a new friend you may have a new acquaintance you may have somebody that just just goes once and they don't come back but that's what we need and and so um, I tell people frequently I, I've, I've got a lot of crummy gifts and I've probably given twice as many crummy gifts to people but go buy somebody a hunting or fishing license mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. teach them teach them something I mean um, we, we all have a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, we all have a gift that we've been given in the outdoors. We can duplicate that when give it to others. So, so I talked to a group last night, they weren't buying hunting. They just weren't there. There, there were a number of people that weren't most were, but, but I can see, I can see faces and I can tell. Yeah. I made sure to emphasize to those, those folks that weren't buying the hunting that you can go fishing. Mm-hmm. And you can join Kentucky Wild. Mm-hmm. You can support our agency. We share one thing for sure: is we all love we all love the outdoors and what it has to offer. Um, I don't know if y'all ever seen the cheesy movie, The Big Year. Mm-hmm. You've seen that? Mm-hmm. I don't think I have. Um, these these guys that they go out and they take the cameras and they take their birders. They mm-hmm. they take pictures of birds. That's a I, I can't necessarily relate to that, but I love outdoor photography. Mm-hmm. Um, there is something out there for all of us, and and I just recently heard a motivational speaker talk about what did you do when you were eight years old? What what did you do? Which I can't really remember what it was like to be eight, but I remember you know I was nine and ten. I was shooting a lot of free throws. And, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> but but what did you love, and what 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 makes you feel like a kid? And so we need that in our lives. Yeah. We we do, but we can share that with others, and then that's a that's a brotherhood, but that's a future, and that takes that eight and that twelve percent, eight eight percent hunters, twelve percent anglers, and that that builds us a bridge for a future. Mm-hmm. So the people that are listening, you don't understand when you buy that rod or reel, or you buy that boat, or you buy a hunting and fishing license, 
lot of times you don't understand how significant that is. Yes. Builds a boat ramp mm-hmm. in Richmond. It mm-hmm. puts a boat ramp in Louisville. It it you know it creates memories and it it may get a kid off the street that was going to choose drugs. Mm-hmm. But it it makes Kentucky a better place. It does. Oh, I I 100 percent agree. It does. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I've, when I asked that question, you know, I literally had no idea what your answer would be. I should have known because it makes so much sense. You know, take someone hunting or fishing, introduce someone to it. And, um, you know, I think it probably helps. I think I think a lot of people will take, say, a kid. We'll just say a kid, for instance. Um, hunting or fishing one time. And then they but sometimes you need to follow up on that. Two or three times, you know, take them out there, invite them to do something different. You took mm-hmm. a kid turkey hunting during a new season. Well, let's see if they want to go catch bluegill mm-hmm. um, in April, you know, or just maybe a follow-up. Because sometimes that one introduction to it where they're borrowing the gear and they're just kind of going through the motions, I, f- I feel like a follow-up. And it's really the, the social aspect of it is number one reason people are quoting that they want to get into it. It's either that or it's the health. And, um, you know, just... If you've got a friend, a good friend that maybe isn't a hunting buddy of yours, maybe it's a basketball buddy or something like that, ask them if they want to go do something you enjoy with you someday, you know? And I think you'd probably be surprised at how many people actually do want to jump on that. Like I'm thinking of, of guys I know that I met in college and our interests, our common interests, were probably going to the, the gym and playing basketball. But, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of those guys ended up growing to like fishing because we became college roommates and they had to go to the mm-hmm. creek with me some days. Mm-hmm. When they, you know, so you can you can get somebody into it and do something good for them by doing so. It's not like you're, you know, it's not your own agenda. I, I feel like you're doing something good for someone else when you do it. And, you know, one of the things that I always think of is, you know, the the birder movie. You know, some of the people may think, oh, God, you know, bird hunting, ugh. But the habitat improvements we've done for quail benefit all, of, I mean, so many of those species. Oh, the right. habitat improvements we've done for other animals benefit people who are non-consumptive users. So Everybody benefits. And, uh, Rich earlier said 8% hunt, 12% fish. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing somewhere around... 13 or 14 percent of Kentuckians buy a hunting or fishing license. I'd say that there's probably only, I mean, if you hunt, you probably buy the fishing license too, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the bigger number. But what what percentage of Kentuckians benefit from what that 12 or 13 or 14 percent does? Mm-hmm. You know, is, is it 100 percent? Well, it's certainly most. Yeah. And and I, I again, something I'd say to the the 95 percent here that uh, own the private property in Kentucky. What are you doing with your land? Uh, we, we do some incredible things here at Kentucky Fish and Wildlife, but 95% of the state, what are, you, what are you doing with your land? And I can tell you what, if it looks like your neighbors and they don't have a plan, then you don't have one either. Mm-hmm. And so how can you set your land apart to to make it a great place? And so we're not trying to play golf on private property, yeah. uh, which, which I love my uh, opportunity to go play some golf sometimes. But what what are you doing to to make your place a standout? It's timber management. Mm-hmm. It's you know we talk a lot about food plots here, and and uh, a lot of hunters do that. But but what are you doing to to make your pond better for fishing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? We have all those resources available on our website. I met a guy that was seventy five years old, and uh, he lost his hunting buddy, and his I guess his hunting buddy pretty much did most of the work and most of the organization. He said he went to our website and he found a new freedom. He said, I used the search, and he said, I found a field-to-fork information, and he said, and I got I, I got back into the outdoors. 
Good. And he said, because Good. of your website, that, 75. That's wonderful. So so I say to the listener here, how do you get everybody involved? So so you might you might go to church or be in a group with somebody that that uh, may be elderly. You might you might be able to get together th- with them on a Sunday afternoon, and take them fishing, take them mm-hmm. to Fins Lake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so there's just an opportunity there, and so I just I encourage the listener to 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 look and be aware of their surroundings, and you know, pe- people need fellowship, and uh, and. Uh, and I just love being around people. Yeah. yeah, I think we all, the all three of us here in this room, and most people directly outside of this room, probably admit, they probably agree that recreating in the outdoors is a huge benefit to their life, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, for me, it does so many things. I can't even sit here and tell. You. I don't know what my life would be right now if it wasn't for hunting and fishing. Uh-huh. Since I was a little kid, like it literally is a completely black picture for me because I I don't mean black as in bleak. I mean it is in like it's just unknown. I don't know where my life would, and I'm so glad. I'm happy. I'm glad that it worked out the way it did because I enjoy what I'm doing right now. I'm looking forward to my bear hunt this weekend, and you know I can't wait to go down and try to catch some walleye next June. I'm already looking forward to something next June. You know, and that's what hunting and fishing's done for me. So, I'm, you know, I think that getting those people out there, it, it does something positive for them. It does something positive for the state, the wildlife in the state, the landscape of the state. I just personally don't see a negative. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm proud of what we do here. And you're right. I mean, the biggest challenge, Rich, is is what? What's the biggest worry as far as our mission is to conserve and enhance fish and wildlife resources and provide opportunity? What's the biggest uh, worry in your mind there? It's got to be the the participation, right? Well, it is, but I think the um, it's, it's the passiveness that people tend to have, and so you know we have the constitutional right to to hunt in Kentucky, and and, and that's important. What's that mean? Can you just yeah, the past. Well, can you uh, um, describe that for me? The constitutional right to hunt, because some people might not know. So, so that means the majority of the population put in the constitution through vote that that right be available and and that 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 passed several years back but but what i can tell you happens and some of our some of our western states have taken the position that conservation is no longer the primary means of population management and so a passive approach by our outdoors people we, we will have encroachment of losses of freedoms it's it's just it's 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 a playbook that um, um, that that worries me. So I, I would have said participation in the past, uh-huh. but you chip away at things such as um, archery in the schools. Mm-hmm. You you chip away through through um, uh, ammunition. Ammunition becomes expensive or almost impossible to get. You chip away where you you make it uh, illegal to shoot lead on on federal properties. These things. They they add up and they start to matter. But if if you've gone and bought you a box of TSS to turkey hunt, mm-hmm. I could probably go that, that box of five. I could probably go buy five butterballs at, at Kroger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so as as we, I, I don't like to use the word evolve, but as as we change or or the maybe maybe evolve into a different hunting culture, we take this for granted that. That we have a million deer, we have three hundred thousand turkeys, or whatever those numbers may be. So we so we harvest one hundred thirty to one hundred fifty thousand deer. We harvest thirty to forty thousand turkeys in the spring. You take it for granted that that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just say to the listener, 
don't be complacent. Um, be part of the be part of the support. So manage your property to to be conducive for wildlife and not not where you could find a golf ball on the mm-hmm. on the whole property. Um, participate um, and you know get involved and in, and. In, whether it's an outdoor group or just get you know just get yourself outside and so so it's important that we participate but but remember an eight and a 12 and some are the same people um that's a yep. that's a small number and it's a very high number of uh, uh hunting hunting and anglers or hunters and anglers compared to many other states yeah mm-hmm. uh, so a lot of the states have half or less than half mm-hmm. that that participation rate and so uh, I just think be involved, pay attention, and uh, get out there and replace yourself in the field. And we we got a we got a good future in front of us here in Kentucky. No, I think that makes that makes sense. Get out there and re- I like to replace yourself. Mm-hmm. I hadn't I hadn't heard it phrased like that before, but that's a good line. Replace mm-hmm. yourself. It is. You got anything, Lee? Um, I feel like I've done. I feel like Rich did at the conference where he got nine out of the ten questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just think it's important too in this overly stimulated world we live in where you have a phone and you're always connected put that crap away and go out in the woods you know just for the benefit of your soul um lowers your blood pressure uh you know i I just you know you don't have to be all the time connected with the whole world get connected to a small mouth in a stream and you leave that phone in the at the high house just just think we, we've gotten so crazy with that. And I, I feel for these kids because I feel like sometimes that I was so blessed that I got to go Santa Creek and get pinched by a crawdad when mm-hmm. I was seven years old or go with my granddaddy and catch big giant bluegill. And then we'd go home and we'd clean them and we'd eat them. And, you know, I couldn't imagine my, my life sterile with a phone and video games and all that. It's, it is. It depresses me. It, yeah, it is. I mean, it, there's so much more out there than than artificial mm-hmm. stimulation go go get the real thing go well do you want to do you want to see a fake life of somebody yeah. on social media or yeah. do you want to go out and breathe Make fresh air life. and see the see the real life and 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 i again we we've been a byproduct of being able to see it both ways yeah um but our camp experience for our kids is we're really really proud of our camps and mm-hmm. what we're able to provide That's why i learned to drive an outboard but but these kids <laughs> these kids come to camp and we don't have we don't have cell service or good cell service at our camps, and we don't allow them to have phones at camp. Good. And and these kids go in, and they truly I, I call it a detox. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They uh, by weeks in, they're really engaged, and 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 it's a it is a culture change, and there's a lot of competition, and that's one thing that we didn't touch on, but there's so many opportunities to take your time, mm-hmm. and if you're not careful, you're going to blink. And your precious time is going to be gone, and so I. That's a Pink I, Floyd song about that. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, now, I'm not familiar with it, but uh, it's called time. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you run and you run to catch up with the sun, but it's singing. It's a basically you blink, and ten years have got behind you, and no one told you where to run. You miss a starting gun, and yeah. it's exactly what you're saying. But it just reminded me of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but that, that that's true. Kristen and myself talk about this a lot about you know essentially nature deficit disorder, which is a real thing that mm-hmm. kids are experiencing because they're glued to screens and I, that is a sales pitch right there for camps rich mm-hmm. that i've never heard pitch before but that needs to That's be great. a pitch hey do you want 
your kids to not be staring at a phone for a full week, full and week. you also don't want to have to deal and with them. Yeah. Conservation camp. <laughs> it's going to detox them from the technology, and they will, you know, and not going to be on on your hands either while it's going on. So there was a man behind me when I was growing up in Bardstown. We moved out in the country, but his name was Mr. Davenport. He went to Simpson Lake all during the summer. He went at least three times a week, and I'd, I'd go up there. Oh my God, Mr. Davenport, what'd you catch? And he'd, he'd pull out these big bass and bluegill, and I'd be like, oh. He always told me I'd alle- he had alligators in his basement, so I wouldn't go down there. He might have. He gave me a, <laughs> he gave me a fishing rod, his Epco 202, and I brought it home. I was like, Mom, Mr. Davenport gave me this rod. She said, you take that back right now. She thought I went, can I have the answer? I had to oh. take it back. Then I got, Dad went and bought me one, and then I was hooked. That's funny. Yeah, before I worked here, if somebody said they had alligators in the basement, I probably would have just, huh laughed it off yeah. now it's, it's they real, might that's a real <laughs> thing to happen. he was just doing the best with me when i was five and six but. no that that's one of the things that's surprised me is how often our conservation officers are charging someone with an exotic illegal animal it's, uh, who would want a, an alligator in the or a you know and then just, they put them in del hollow lake or something you know <laughs> bathtub yeah yeah well they put there was an alligator in del hollow a couple of years ago wasn't it yeah, kentucky there. lake a few weeks yeah, ago yeah. I think. yeah but uh it's not too cozy in that bathtub with the alligator once they once they reach a certain size <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it's gonna be hard to take a shower in it. Yeah. <laughs> people people you got anything else Lee? i think we've, I we've think probably we're held the commissioner long enough unless yeah. you have anything rich well i'm gonna add a camp story that's kind of funny oh, uh, boy. i I was at uh, Camp Webb one summer here a few years ago, and they asked me to go to the uh, trap range and shoot trap with the kids. Oh boy! And so um, those those kids were shooting and shooting, and and they were they were shooting and missing. Hmm. And they said, "Hey, Commissioner, come over here and shoot with the kids." And they throw the slowest <laughs> flying away target, and I shoot and I miss. Like I can't believe uh, this is embarrassing. Just a layup. I just missed this, the slowest target on earth, <laughs> and they sling another one, and I shoot and miss it, too. And, oh, wow. and so the uh, the instructor, he laughs. He stands on the barrel. It's it, it's hot, and it was crooked, and he stands on it. He straightens it out. He launches the next, next one, and uh, I shoot it and bust the target. And he said, when that gun gets hot, he said, uh, it doesn't shoot straight, and, and, he, and he laughed about it. And he goes, we need a new gun here. So, uh, mm-hmm. so they proved a point to me to, yeah. to get him a new shotgun there, for that uh, tramp, that trap range. So, that was uh, that was really a good story and a good way to get the commissioner's attention. I'm mm-hmm. gonna have to remember that. Come mm-hmm. up with something. Yeah. When I when I need something new around here, maybe, maybe you got a camera going bad for Kentucky Field, and you say, "Hey, you can take this out here and video." I'm going to have to find a way to put you on display while I do it. Though like, that person was able to put you up there front and center in front of it, so I got to figure out how to pull that off. It's going to be tough, but. If you ever get a really strange request from me, Rich, just know that this is probably the day that yeah. Tracy got something on his mind back there. Yeah. You got anything else for us, Rich? Anything you want to talk about? I think we covered some ground. We've covered we some have. ground. There's the... a lot to talk about, but uh, you know, we could go on forever. I could tell you guys about how the deer are just tearing up all my scrapes right now. I got all my cell cameras on scrapes, and every night it's bucks hitting scrapes so if i was deer hunting right now i'd probably look at white oaks and i'd look at scrapes and if you're not having a lot of action on your shell cameras i'd probably move my cameras to scrapes so we could talk about that we talk about upcoming bear season Mm -hmm. we talk about fall turkey shotgun season is coming up Mm -hmm. uh rules and regs have changed on that so if you're interested in going you might want to check the guide before you hit the woods yep so there's a lot of just little things like that that we could sit here and go on forever about Mm -hmm. 
But I say we go ahead and call today and get some lunch, and we got to go pick photos. For yeah, the, we got to go pick uh, photos well, for the calendar. I'll, the I'll calendar. add one thing: if you set up on one of those scrapes, come to our campus. We got a new archery range that oh, yeah. great resource gives you a lot of shooting opportunity and uh, elevated, a, so yeah. it simulates a blind. I mean, yeah, handicap accessible. It's killer. Then uh, go, then go bust that buck over the scrape. I did that. <laughs> just you know, I I shoot my bow a lot leading up to season, and then once season starts, I'm hunting, so I don't shoot my bow as much. So. Other day, I figured I'd drug this thing up and down the tree enough times, and I've beat it across corn stalks. And so I walked over there and just took my three shots to double check. And that archery range is uh, the platform system is great because you're shooting from up there, and I mean it, it's just like out of a deer stand. So I would suggest somebody if they haven't uh, and they're in the area to come check it out. Somebody yep. messaged me on Instagram the other day and asked where that was, and it's right here, right here at headquarters. So yep, come, good come. stuff. Thank yeah. All right, Rich. Well, I appreciate you coming by. Thank you. Lee. It's good to have you. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. All right. We're well, going to go pick pick the calendar out now. Yeah. You can see what we picked uh, for the 2024 calendar if you purchase it. Yes. Online. <laughs> there you go. See you. Yeah.